Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm the graphic novels review editor for Publishers Weekly, as well as the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And you can check us out on Twitter at, at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to More to Come on iTunes. And on Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. So, this week on More to Come, special comics retailing podcast. Where it's a special topic. We're honing in. We're drilling down. We're running the numbers and we're crunching them under our feet. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting time. It's an interesting time for, for retailing. And, and since we're, none of us are retailers, we, we reached out to some of our friends yeah. who are retailers. So you'll be hearing from them later in the episode. Yeah. And we're going to, th- this is a, a timely uh, podcast because our annual comics retailing feature came out from behind the, the paywall. So that's online now at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Um, and we're going to... The title of it is, by the way, Graphic Novels Rise, Periodical Struggle in 2016, in case yeah. you're trying to find it. There you go. And and that kind of gives you kind of a capsule of kind of a, a little bit of the takeaway. But really, the takeaway is that graphic novels uh, and comics really in general are doing quite well. Yes. Uh, it, well, it is. You know, it's a very mixed time right now. Mm-hmm. And I think when we talked last year about this time of year, everybody was really upset about DC. Like, what's wrong mm. with DC? Mm. Where are they going? What are they doing? <laughs> How are they going to live? Um, you know, later in the epi- uh, later in this episode, I'll be talking to uh, Peter Dolan, the president of Comics Pro. But, but last year at Comics Pro, which is an annual meeting of retailers and publishers, uh, that was all the chatter. Uh, it was about DC, and they, in fact, announced their rebirth. Now, 12 months later, <laughs> everybody's worried about Marvel. I know. What are they like, going to do? Yeah. Where are they going to go? Well, who's in charge? Why are they doing it? Um, and this business can turn on a dime. <laughs> it is, but I have to say, uh, you know, some numbers just came out for February's uh, sales statistics, and for the first time, Marvel and DC were even in units, yeah. which mm-hmm. is kind of unheard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, the the perspective for you listeners is that, like, for all you know, they're like, oh, DC's down, Mar- or Marvel's down. That traditionally. Marvel is the more successful company of the two. Yes, exactly. They have led the sales charts for, uh, I don't have the exact number, but let's say 50 out of 60 months for the yeah. past couple of years. You know, DC really knocked it out of the park with a new 52, but that was six years ago. Mm. So. Yeah, and with the exception of the new 52 and its halo effect for a few months, uh, I think it's been a good 15 years that Marvel has dominated the market. Yes. So, uh, and the only reason that Marvel was ahead of DC in dollars was because their books are three ninety nine <laughs> and DC's are two ninety nine. Uh, so, but I mean, there's a lot of issues right now about this. You know, variant comics are a huge issue. In the feature, uh, it, it kind of covers the holiday season and then it kind of goes into 2017 and what the retailers are looking for uh, coming into a new year. Um, it's written by Shannon O'Leary, um, and uh, we're, you know, at a little bit later in the podcast, we're going to have her, uh, uh, we're going to interview her just about putting that whole feature together. I happen to know oh. that Marvel had a conference call with its top retailers, which was NDA out the Yin Yang. So, mm. uh, so we can't really talk about it. There's a couple of rumors out there. 
So I guess the main takeaway from what I'm hearing is that Marvel is looking at bringing back their legacy characters, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and maybe in a more legacy style, the ones who are yes. still there. Yes. However, uh, that doesn't mean that the new characters are going to go away, no. necessarily. But what I meant was, was, for example, there have been any number of shakeups in how they are portrayed. Things we have argued about on this Absolute. very podcast. Absolute. And my suspicion would be, with such a back-to-basics push, they're probably going to veer away from that. At least for a while. Yeah, I think so. DC seemed to go back to basics, sort of to bring back some things that the fans seemed to yeah. think that were removed. And now, of course, we're talking about perhaps Marvel is looking at the same thing. DC's going through a real, you know, spike in sales. Uh, the retailers are very happy. Um, as it uh, as an aside. I'm actually working on a piece that will come out in a week or two about the book collections. They're going to be releasing t- about 25 Rebirth book collections between uh, – they've already started. So between January and May, uh, they're really doing a big marketing push behind this. But the fans are happy. The fans are very happy about Rebirth. So it's very interesting to hear some of the things that maybe Marvel well, is, is considering. But, you know, just to, th- to point out, as we're, as we're talking, you know, Logan is the number one movie mm-hmm. uh, in the country, the final Wolverine movie. And guess what? If you go on Amazon, Old Man Logan is, is selling very well. It's like the top three or four books at Marvel. So, you know, I mean, there is a close connection between what people see in the movies and then they say, huh, maybe I should like to own that comic. I think this is really a symptom, not the disease, really. And I, it's not even a disease. It's just a, a byproduct of what's really happening. I mean, mm. we're here seeing a huge shift in readers going from periodicals to graphic novels as the baseline Absolutely. purchase. And I think retailers are, you know, reacting to this evolution. And a lot of them are reacting successfully. Some of them are yeah. having more trouble with it. But, but what does that have to do with what we were saying before about um, you know, retooling the direction of the comics. You mean for Marvel? Yeah. I, 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 but I think that's exactly the core of it, okay? Marvel is very reliant on its periodical business. Mm-hmm. That's traditionally been number one. And, I mean, it's not just that Marvel has kind of, um, you know, they, it's it's uh, diminished returns. They, they, one thing, too many number ones, too many relaunches, yeah. too many... How many, more, and- how many times on this on this podcast have we talked about... A new initiative called Marvel Now. Yeah. <laughs> you can't even keep track of right. them. So I, so, but what I'm saying is I think the erosion of support for Marvel's periodicals isn't just specifically Marvel. I think it's kind of an overall shift into graphic novels. Um, well, it, just to, uh, uh, to echo uh, what Heidi's talking about um, and to kind of previews what some of our interviews are going to say, really the retailers uh, in the feature, they're saying many of the same things that, that Heidi's saying right here. They're really kind of concerned about the number of titles uh, that Marvel is putting out. They're, they're uneasy about um, the movies, uh, relying heavily on the movies. Uh, they're seeing a shift in dollars. Not that the people don't love the characters, but they just as soon as buy them in a book format, uh, as in the um, as in the periodical format. However, uh, I think Terrence um, Terrence Irvis at Kinnakunia, who's going to be one of our uh, interviewers, he has some interesting things to say about where he sees the the relationship between periodicals and the book format. Right. right. Well, it's it's very much yeah. an evolution. It's a, it's very evolutionary. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't see. I, I just ran yesterday. Also, I mean, this is great timing because it, it ran a bit late. But on the beat, I ran Brian Hibbs' annual 
examination of BookScan. So, uh, which isn't, it's supposed to be leaked, but I guess we did leak it. Um, so anyway, so you can see Brian really break it down. He spent so much time. It's 11,000 words long of Brian analyzing. So, I mean, God bless him. But he looks at every publisher and their numbers and how they've gone up or down. You know, bottom line, uh, obviously has the same figures that, that Jim Elliott does here, but graphic novels were up almost 13% in gra- yeah. and bookstores last year. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So, and this is the fourth consecutive year of growth. And this is not a time when bookstore sales are growing. So the sponge is still absorbing more readers. Yeah. Yeah, I think what's happening now is because, even if Marvel's not doing it, other publishers are very good at bringing everything out in trade in a timely manner, um, which is good. Uh, New readers who are adult readers who are coming in through the bookstores... Their entry point is graphic novels, and they just stick with graphic novels. Absolutely, They don't do the thing that you did back in the late 90s where a lot of things weren't collected and you had to go to the comic store and go through the back issue bins because there was just no other way to find this story. Um, so people are like, yeah, I want graphic novels. And if you have a company like Marvel, whose graphic novel publishing program is not as robust and not as reliable, then... You know, as long as people can get everything else they want, they may not spend as much on Marvel mm-hmm. because they're just not going to go find a comic book store. That's right. But, you know, I'm not one of those who is a Marvel doomsayer. I no, mean, I they, don't. I'm not. Yeah. No, I know you're not. But I'm just saying some of my friends are just, you know, cackling with glee over Marvel. And uh, <laughs> listen, here's another secret. Okay. Only for the podcast listeners ears. But uh, other publishers are very concerned about Marvel. Hmm. You know, listen, even DC image they don't want marvel no. to to collapse because this would be very bad for for comic shops okay yeah, they want they want a healthy comic industry they want a healthy yeah. industry and right now marvel's periodicals are a key component of that um uh, i think they're very smart at marvel um they may have misread some of the uh signs out there but uh i do feel that they're pivoting in a way and uh I, let's put it this way all will very much be forgiven as soon as bruce banner and tony stark <laughs> return to the <laughs> come, come marching and uh steve rogers who isn't a nazi come marching over the horizon and um i, I think it's pretty clear i mean one of the things the comics industry does is I, they respond to the marketplace they do uh really well and um one of the things that will come out of the uh, discussion of uh, our, our annual feature is um, comments to the effect of, we're just waiting for publishers to course correct. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, you know what? Speaking of that interview, you talked yeah. to Shannon. I talked to Shannon o- O'Leary, and there's a little intro um, in the interview, but uh, Shannon has done the uh, comics retailers features for the last four or five years. We skipped last year to sort of reevaluate it, but she's back. And uh, she's got some interesting things to say, so we'll go to Shannon O'Leary. Shannon, welcome to More to Come, your first uh, appearance on More to Come. (laughs) Thank you. It's It's good to be on the show. So, look, why don't you uh, fill our readers in a little bit about the comics retailing feature? How do we do it? Sure. It's well, the comics retailing feature is something that we put together in order to get an idea of what the sell through numbers are in for the comics market. Mm-hmm. Um, because we typically only get the direct market numbers, which for people who don't know what the direct market is, is uh, 
it's Diamond Comics Distributors has, and Calvin, please jump in here and sure. correct me. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> it is, uh, distributes to a, a small network of, of 2,000 or 3,000 comic book stores across the country. Um, exact estimates are probably unknown, and also <laughs> some general bookstores as well. Mm-hmm. Um but we want to get so those while those numbers are available, we don't know the numbers that are those. That's only reflects what's sold to stores. It sold doesn't in, reflect yeah. so what it's sell in. It's not sell through. Those are the numbers that it's are. It's not. Yeah, yeah it's sold it. into the stores. Yeah. It's not what consumers are necessarily buying. Yeah, so we do this to try to just get an uh, a snapshot of what. Um, people are actually buying and the answers um you know when we it doesn't seem to matter um even though we admit we have a small sample of we're not talking to you know a huge percentage of retailers out there but we there is an incredible consistency across the retailers that we talk to i'm going to jump in just for a second just to add to your uh, definition of the direct market that generally speaking uh, comic (laughs) shop stores Buy non-returnable at wholesale. Now, this has been traditional in the comic shop market. It's changing somewhat. We're seeing a new generation it, 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 of retailers yeah, that some might balance probably. out and, and buy from. And also, mm-hmm. Diamond is also uh, frequently offering, which kind of touches on what we were talking about a bit before the call, and they're frequently offering some lines as returnable. Yes, yes. So, so great. So, we, so we, like, as we say, this is a non-scientific survey or uh, an informal survey, and uh, you talked about five stores, right? I did, and I also spoke with um, the legendary Joe Fields, yes. who um, is was the brain trust behind uh, Free Comic Book Day, yes. which has been a huge boon for the industry, and it was fantastic to talk with him, although he didn't formally participate in the survey, he sort of provided some, uh, you know, kind of a veteran's eye yes, yes. on, What's the, name on of his, what, what's the name of his store? Uh, Flying Colors yes, right. in Concord, California. Yes. Yeah. So what are the five stores um, that you did survey, that you talked to? Um, well, we talked to either the owners or the people who are in charge of graphic novel buying mm-hmm. at the fo- following stores, uh, the Secret Headquarters in Los Angeles, California, mm-hmm. the Strand Bookstore in New York, New York, Powell's uh, Books in Portland, Oregon, Challenger uh, Comics in Chicago, and Forbidden Planet in New York, New York. All right, great. So it's a mix of uh, comic shops and uh, and what and two uh, traditional bookstores. I admit one of the reasons for how we put this together, and I should say in advance, I'm the editor of this feature, <laughs> so we work <laughs> together on it. Because it's not a scientific survey, but we do want to sort of give some geographical balance. Uh, just like Absolutely. to get a sense of how stores are doing uh, yeah. in different parts of the country, based on you know some of the general overviews we have of the industry. What, what can you tell us about the graphic novel market in 2016, in the as reflected in these stores? I would say that it was it was fairly flat. Um, it was most almost all of our stores reported flat sales mm-hmm. in 2016, not, except for um, the Strand, mm-hmm. which um, is a pretty heavily trafficked store near Union Square in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if that had anything to do with it, but they were the only ones that didn't report um, flat sales of graphic novels. Um, the straight-up comic book stores, uh, Secret Headquarters, Challenger, and Forbidden Planet also um, pointed to um, 
a weakness in periodical sales, a softness, I would say as well. Um, and, um, yeah. yeah, the big news is that it's flat. Yeah. It's, I wouldn't say it's down, I'd say mm. it's flat. Now, that's at these stores. Now, the actual the book scan statistics for 2016 are actually showing graphic novels, book the book format, up about 12%, right? Yes, yeah. um, and in our general bookstores that we spoke with, um, the, it continues to be just one of our best sections uh-huh. that does mm-hmm. uh, just consistently well, fastest growing, especially kids' comics. Mm. And and what um, what what did you hear about the just this most recent holiday season um, over 2016? For all kinds of bookstores, the holiday seasons is usually one of the biggest and most important times of the year. Yeah. Well, what I heard was that um, there was no that the election actually uh, had some effect. People yeah. seem to th- to think on um, maybe in terms of. Uh, uh, Christmas getting getting Christmas shopping getting started that was mm-hmm. something I wasn't expecting to hear. Uh-huh. Um, Joe, uh, um, but all the store I unprompted um, most of the stores uh, said pointed to an uncertain political climate yeah. and that that was translating to an uncertain consumer environment in certain ways. And so. I think um, uh, many of them also sort of said that they, it got going, but it sort of got going late in the summer yes. season. Mm. Exactly, which sort of fit in with what they were talking yeah. about with the election. Like they, it usually gets started right around Thanksgiving, and um, it seemed like it didn't get started until the second week mm. of um, December. And um, was there a difference in holiday sales? Uh, no, they, they, did did they ultimately do all right, or did they feel like all the sales were weak during the holidays? They ultimately did all right. You know, one of the um, things that we've done with this piece over the years is there are certain retailers. Forbidden Planet, um, you know, is a, a legendary store. Powell's sure. is a legendary they're, they're, they're retail destination Yeah, stores. absolutely. And so we've been talking to these guys in some cases for five years. Mm-hmm. So they're not shy because about telling us what how they've done from year to year. And what seems to really make the difference for these guys uh, and ladies, um, is to have a standout book uh-huh. that really kind of moves sales because people will come in to buy that book and then they'll buy other things too. So what what kind of titles uh, were you hearing for the holiday as, as pretty good sellers? It, well, it's Saga, Saga, Saga. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> um, BKV. BKV, can't mm-hmm. be stopped. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, also on, on that list is Paper Girls, Volume yes. 1, mm-hmm. did very well. Um, this is not surprising. Yeah, that's um, Brian K. Vaughn and Cliff Chiang doing um, uh, another Brian K. Vaughn series, Paper Girls. And then uh, also Batman Killing Joke, um, special edition by Alan Moore, I think because of the Batman Killing Joke um, uh, cartoon that came out, you Mm. know, the cartoon movie. Okay. So that seemed to help a little bit with um, sales on that at a few stores. Um, but mostly it's it's image trade paperbacks that were the most popular gifts. I think you also you mentioned uh, Marjorie Lou's Monstrous. Uh, in the piece, yes. Yeah. Um, and yeah. uh, Black Panther. Black Panther, yeah, has has been a juggernaut for mm-hmm. Marvel. All right. um, 
it did well at all the stores we talked to, particularly the first trade paperback and the first three single issues. Okay. I, I want to ask you about digital sales. I mean, I, if I'm not mistaken, digital sales in 2015 <laughs> were kind of down. So w- w- do we have any information on 2016? We don't. Um, <laughs> actually, okay. <laughs> we, um, just to give uh, listeners a little context, we, um, uh, we've, in the past, we've, you know, we've talked about, we've talked to retailers about how digital is impacting their sales, but we, we kept getting the same answer year after year where they say, we don't know, we can't measure that. And, mm-hmm. um, and we love the people at Comixology and everything they're doing over there yep. um, because they have undoubtedly um, been helped with comic sales and, and getting comics out there and easier for readers to find. Yep. But we don't know. Yeah. what their sales are okay and they and they can't tell us yeah well they will yeah, and they won't tell us i mean um icv <laughs> milton Greep over at icv2 does try to uh kind of guesstimate and i and i think for 2015 uh they had estimated like a 10 percent decline he expected them to go up in 2016 but we won't hear his numbers mm-hmm. until later in the year so well okay. look one, one, before we finish up here i do want to uh um, talk about kids' graphic novels because that seemed to be one thing that the direct market yeah. and the book trade market uh, both agree on. Is oh, that- absolutely! Yeah, it's you know the, uh, the as uh, Dave Pfeiffer from Secret Headquarters put it, like I should probably devote more space to it because I'm sure I would sell more. Yeah, yeah. it just seems it, like um, what and uh, um. It just seems like it's it's just a no-brainer with because a lot of times parents are coming in to buy comics now you know they've been coming to the same store for ten years and they have kids that are ready to read mm-hmm. and so they get the if they're taking care of their kid when they come in they get them a comic too and so it's a, it's a no-brainer for a lot of our shops but it just seems like um, also on a um, a general bookstores those are those are doing well as well and it seems like companies would be really wise to uh, continue to find things like the My Little Ponies, the mm-hmm. um, uh, like licensed and even and things like uh, Lumberjanes. Has yeah. look how well that's done. You know, yeah. that's it's it just seems like, and also the perennials like uh, um, Amulet. You know, yeah, any sure. and <laughs> yeah, they always do well. They just never yeah. stop selling. Um, one more thing, and I think we'll we'll wrap this up. Um, that I didn't ask you about. What what are you hearing back from manga? Manga has been rebounding, sales rebounding generally, certainly in the book trade. What did you hear from your retailers? Oh, that was very interesting in this year. Actually, was that um, manga has manga sales have been just sort of they've been down, you know, mm-hmm, from where sure. they once were during their powerhouse days in the mid aughts, but mm-hmm. they. Um, have uh, what we're seeing is a shift um, where they're down in in uh, direct market comic book stores, but they're up in general bookstores. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, look, this is great, but 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 if you people really want to get the get the uh, the inside scoop and the details on the on the uh, uh, the graphic novel market. Go to publishersweekly.com/slash/comics, and uh, the feature is called. Yeah, it's, t- it's 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 called one thing in the print magazine. Uh, it's called <laughs> a graphic novels rise, periodical struggle in 2016, and it's got a slightly different uh, uh, title. We do that between the uh, 
between the uh, print magazine and the online things, the, uh, the uh, editor sort of changed things. So online is called Graphic Novels Had a Strong 2016, though comic sales slowed. So anyway, go to the website and you can get all the details. Uh, Shannon, uh, thanks so much for being on More to Come. Yeah, thanks for having me. I hope to come, be able to come back soon. We'll get you back on. <laughs> yeah. Take care. <laughs> Take care. Okay, wow. Well, some, some really interesting stuff from Shannon there. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, um, she was really happy to be interviewed, too. Yeah, you know? sure. Usually I gab about the feature, but I think it's time for us to bring our writers yes, into this is, whenever we is. can. I love doing it. I love uh, doing it. We should do more of these specials. We only and plan I, for, for two months. So. And I think we will. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah. Yes. So, so uh, but, you know, I mean, one of the things, um, let's talk about, we, yeah. we have our bestseller list, right, Calvin? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, um, in the aftermath of uh, the New York Times uh, getting rid of the comics and manga bestseller list, we're going to emphasize the, the bestseller list that actually we do here at Publishers Weekly. Uh, we we um, uh, we did it about a week ago, two weeks ago, and I think I said we were going to do it weekly, but actually we're going to do it on a monthly basis. We actually did it a month ago, Calvin. It was it so a month we're, ago. We're on <laughs> so we're right. Right on, time. We're right on time. All right, so we're right on time. So um, there's been some, there have been very interesting changes over the time. I think the, in the last one, um, I think the number one title was um, "This Is One Punch Man." Uh, the Love Is Love LGBTQ anthology was at number two. Fun Home was number three. So things have moved around in the last month, and so and we've got a really interesting new independent graphic novel up there too so we lead off this this month with my hero academia volume number seven viz media by hoi horikoshi if you haven't read this uh this is actually one of my favorite favorite goofy mangas uh it's a world where everybody is a superhero and our hero sort of didn't make up he doesn't seem to have the quirk as they called it in the comic book series so if you like silliness, if you like funny, if you like great drawing and nonstop action, uh, you're going to love my my hero academia, and apparently people do. Uh, following that is Tokyo Ghoul at um, uh, volume eleven at number two from Viz Media. Uh, at three, The Legend of Zelda: Oracle of Seasons, um, legendary edition. Uh, number four, also The Legend of Zelda volume one, and coming in at number five, and I. So lingering here because I've been over, I've been hyping this book for myself for months. So, uh, my favorite, it has been, it has been a year. year. My favorite thing is Monsters at number five by Emil Ferris from Fantagraphics Books. This is a wonderful story, um, both a wonderful book and a wonderful author story as well. So check it out. At number six, The and Killing Joke. By the way, we have an interview with her. Oh, yes, excuse me. Yes, we do have a go to, go to publishersweekly.com slash comics and just click through on the podcast and you enter our archive. And you'll we'll get it. We did an, an, about a 45-minute interview with yeah, her at right last year's Book Expo. Uh, um, America. So check it out. Uh, as I was saying, at number six is The Killing Joke. At number four, Star Wars Volume 4. Number eight, One Punch Man, Volume 10. Uh, at number nine, a, a book you're going to hear about quite a bit when you when you both uh, hear our interviews and talk and look at the feature, Monstrous by uh, Marjorie Lou, Volume mm. 1, Awakening. First volume is at number 10. And Rebirth, Creeps into the action at number 10. Nightwing, Volume 1, Better Than Batman, uh, comes in at uh, number 10. Uh, Tim Seeley, author, and Javi Fernandez, illustrated. Well, manga certainly did really well on this list. Mm. Uh, and Calvin, you talked to 
um, Terrence Irvin. So. Yes, um, the uh, store manager and graphic novel buyer uh, at Kinokuniya, um, Bryant Park here in New York City. Uh, and believe me, Terrence has some interesting to say and had, as he put it, a phenomenal 2016. That's we like it. We're live here. We're live from Coffee Mania on Sixth Avenue and Forty Third Street, but we're also right down the street from Kinokuniya Bryan Park. And I'm sitting here talking with Terrence Irvins, the manager and graphic novel buyer at said Kinokuniya. Uh, Terrence, uh, thanks uh, for being on More to Come again. Thank you so much. And and really, I, I wanted to just talk to you a little bit about how graphic novels are doing in your store against the backdrop of the aggregate numbers uh, that we got and some other reports we got from other talking to right. uh, some other retailers. Right. What we're working off of is that the, the book scan numbers are that graphic novels are up like 12% mm-hmm. uh, in uh, 2016. Right. Uh, the direct market, it's pretty pretty much flat. Right. And uh, but, but let's start with 2016 holiday season. What was it like at Kinnikunia? Oh, we did great. Um, I think the sales right now, from what we were able to see for the last quarter of 2016, was phenomenal. Um, if you look at the titles that were published and the sales based on those titles, we can see a new trend that's beginning already, finally crystallized, so to speak. Um, I would say a lot of our best-selling titles, year in, year out, but more so, has been um, Image Comics titles. Ah, you know, yes. And then... Um, Second to that, um, a lot of the projects that we've been working with as far as like bringing in more sketchbooks, art books, uh-huh. um, particular you know, mediums as well as products. So I would say right now for 2016, the way it looks like, it looks like it's going to continue a trend into 2017, which shows that the economy will be up for comics and graphic novels, in my opinion, and all things related to that. Years ago, Kinokuniya was known for... Japanese language manga but ladies and gentlemen let me tell you now they sell everything western graphic novels indies mm-hmm. uh, you even sell periodicals yes uh, but Japanese language manga English language manga right Western graphic novel. Magnetic You've never seen everywhere. a selection like this, folks. You're at yeah. you're at forty. Was it forty first? Yeah. And Sixth Avenue. Yes. Get your ass into Kinokuniya. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> big holiday that. season. No, <laughs> yes. this is all true. Believe right. me. Right. Uh, um, big holiday season. Um, some of the retailers said that uh, it started a little late, but uh, for, for them, and it, they felt like the uh, election. Uh, yeah. No, I, I think but, yeah, not I think, a problem you have. I think I mean so I might be under the line of fire for saying this, but I think the election has made people want to go out and buy because everybody was depressed over what happened. <laughs> yeah, well, that's for sure. So you know, you give into <laughs> certain needs, whether it be carnal or yeah, yeah. <laughs> or educational or or entertainment wise. You know, you end up buying things to feed the soul, so to speak, of dealing with the issues that have come to come to light and come to I hand. Hear you. And um. It's been good for us. I mean, we've had record sales month in, month out that gets better year by year by year. So, so it, was, it wasn't... How was a, 2016 overall then, not just the holiday 2016 sales. overall Same was thing. great. Great. It was yeah. better than 2015, which was better than 2014, which was better than 2013. I hear so you. So it's just growing for us. Yeah, great. Um, I great. think it's because we got a lot of regular customers, but we also have people who find us, whether it be the tourist that knows about us all over the world, whether it be the tourist that just happens to walk by but also people who just want to find stuff. So we have product for everyone. We're kind of becoming more and more a lifestyle store, even though we're still, I mean, if it was to my druthers, it would be more of a just 
general bookstore. But it works. And we're there's keeping... All, there's other product, non-product yes, that exactly. also attracts people. You know, because, you know, you'll have what's been told about particular titles that sell great. And then the reality of it is that it depends on the titles that sell through the retailers, not from the distributors. So what's selling great? Right now, I would say at this current juncture in time, Snot Girl, of course. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's a Bradley O'Malley and yes. uh, Leslie Hung's exactly. new series, uh, the uh, fashion blogger with allergies. It's been doing great for us. <laughs> I mean, great. we were that was our first title to really pick up large on as far as single issues, uh, and it's been doing great for us. Another book that's doing great for us, the manga version of Sherlock. It's doing oh. phenomenally for us. Is that that's Titan, isn't it? Yeah, that is you, you Titan. Know, they were pitching that book to me. That's, yes. I'm glad well, you pointed that out. Well, because the fact of the matter is that that book was originally published by, um, I believe it was Shogakukan, um, through the actual creators from Japan. We were selling an actual edition of it in Japanese and a bilingual edition before the Titan edition came out. And the sales were great off for that already. I brought in the single issues when those were, were being published, and the sales on that was already phenomenal for us. Mm-hmm. So once the, the collected version of the manga came out, it was done. Mm-hmm. It was it's still selling. That's and great. it proves that there's a market for both. And I think that's why comic shops need to work on towards being more like a actual specialty shop. As specialty well, bookshop. Exactly. Book a specialty bookshop. Book? book? Bookshop, <laughs> but bookshops can work on that as well. I think yeah. bookshops it won't hurt them to sell single issues. Maybe no, I mean good, we don't okay. sell large, vast amounts mm-hmm. of it, mm-hmm. and we're pretty messy about it. I'll admit that, but um, <laughs> but we do very well on it, and it keeps growing, and it makes us want to reconsider how we approach it. Actually, so uh, any other big sellers? I would say um, Tokyo Ghost Volumes One and Two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, our own variant edition is still moving through. We're almost right, finished you selling were doing out. Some variant covers, yeah. yes. Yep, Tokyo Ghost. Right? Yes, we're almost sold out of that. What um, about Marjorie Lou's? Uh, we're Monstrous. already sold out of Monstrous completely. Completely okay, completely yeah. Because a lot of retailers have talked about yes, Monstrous. Exactly, it's yeah. done. But you know, you have books like um, the Love series from Magnetic Press that's, that's doing very well. Um, oh, but what's this now? The love, love. Like, you know, okay. love the tiger, love the lion, oh, the, the love animal. the fox. Yes, yes, the animal graphic novel. Big sellers yes. for us. Oh, Big sellers for us. Cool. Um, also, their um, art book Vox was was mm-hmm. a big seller for us. So it depends. You know, mm-hmm. we sell a lot of Steven Universe, like everyone uh, else, yeah. and we also sell a lot of um, titles like um, I would say one of our better better sellers is more likely going to be at this juncture in time Snot Girl yeah. overall yeah. so you have like a diverse amount of titles going from that title to something as esoteric as 5,000 kilometers per second which does well for, for, for us uh-huh. from right. graphics mm-hmm. that's a French yes, that's a French, French language exactly uh, title yeah. yes. oh, okay, great. and that does great for us uh-huh. And there's also Dan Klaus's patience. Now is that a fan of graphics book? Are that is a fan of graphics. They're licensing it for their They're English They're licensing, language. yeah, and yeah. it's doing great. No, oh, that's interesting. It's doing great for us. So um, there's, there's comics for everyone, and we're matching that and meeting that, and sales across the board is doing great, and we're keeping ourselves in a good, steady pattern and a rhythm that shows that what can be done with comics can reach a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. As we head into 2017... Do you see anything else down the road? Are there things you're anticipating? Books you're anticipating? Uh, you know, I, I can't really say, to be honest with you, only because the titles that I'm aware of 
haven't put in my hands yet to actually sell yeah, to the yeah, customers. Right. Okay. So, so, you know, once I have it in my hands, I can honestly say I can see this title going. I mean, yeah, there are titles. I think it's because there's so many new titles coming out yeah. that it's hard to tell which is going to be the ones that hit the biggest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let me ask you this. Manga overall. Now, you, you mentioned some very specific. Right. Is, is the category healthy again? It's always been healthy. Yeah, I guess here at Canavania, of course, it would have to be. Yeah, but I think for overall, I mean, it's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why it's funny. Like, a lot of attention Barnes and Noble made about how they were expanding their graphic novel section, but a lot of people don't realize they also expanded their manga selection as yes, well. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's because they knew from seeing how well we were doing, as well as other chains <laughs> were doing. Hey, I got to give props. Well, you, you, you should. I mean, yeah. Kinnikuni is is the place to go to buy manga. Yes, people Period. associated with full stop. Right. <laughs> and and you know you you take books like the light novels for the um, Bakemonogatari series. Uh huh. Um, if you take something like Tokyo um, Tokyo Ghoul. Yes. You know titles like that, Boku no Hero. Mm-hmm. You know there there are so many titles that are coming out right now that are doing so great. Like even BL for boys love titles like Ten Count. Mm-hmm. Huge huge sales. Well, uh, graphic novel sales certainly are, are, are doing seemingly doing just fine. Yes. At Kinokuniya. Um, right. um I would say right now, I yeah. actually, the one thing I can see doing well if we're looking at the superhero side of things is applause to DC Rebirth. They actually oh, got I'm, their. I'm their glad act you brought together. this up. I meant to yeah. ask you about Rebirth. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they got their act together on it. And now the book collections are coming out now. Yeah, and are those sales are sales are doing great. But the single issues people want. Oh, okay. People got in on the ground floor, and they want to actually keep up with it. So I think what is going to happen, which is kind of what happens with manga, because manga is published in most formats as a weekly anthology before coming into a collect edition. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are going to actually be doing that with a lot of the Rebirth books. They're going to be buying those actual collections, and if they're coming into into it on the ground floor, if they're not able to get the single issues... And then keeping up with the single issues right after. So it's going to help and benefit both areas. However, I will say this. I think DC's making a mistake by making their monthly titles $3.99. Um, jumping up the price when they had the actual leverage right now to really pull in more readers. $2.99 is a very good price point to get in for the ground floor. And making it different is not a helpful thing in my opinion. All right. and, and what's happening with Marvel? Ah, it's hard to say. I mean, right now they want to push up in humans a lot, but what's really selling for them is always going to be Deadpool and Spider-Man. Yeah. yeah. And um, right now you can't go wrong with Spider-Man. You can't go wrong with Deadpool. Um, I think the best title they're putting out, and I'll say it time in, time out, is Ultimatum. But one thing that's hurting Marvel, I think, is putting out too many variant covers and too many different titles and not letting it catch a fire and letting grab hold of the actual customers out there. Um, and I think it hurts us retailers only because when you're having so many titles to choose from and trying to push while there's either going to be a title that can- gets canceled at some point or it changes into another volume of some f- different title or something in that sense, it's not grabbing the, the actual attention of readers who want to sit in consistently day in, day out. You know, So slow it down a pace. You know, Bring it down a notch, so to speak. And let people actually it's like Seinfeld you know you gotta give it time nobody watched Seinfeld for the first few years but then it became the biggest you know darling in the ratings after a while and um, I think one of the things that people need to realize that and I mean the people at Marvel is that and I love you know quite a bit of the stuff that they put out and but not to be you know overly political about it but I think it's in their best interest to 
figure out a means to create actual titles that can resonate with people, regardless of how they change the t- characters to race or gender or so forth. But figure out stories that can resonate and keep hold of people to actually say, this is great. Because people are, in my opinion, more in love with the movies than the actual comics. And that's well, my opinion. Yeah. I think we're hearing something similar from some other retailers as well. Exactly. Well, look, we, we're going to wind this down now. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, uh, Terrence, I really appreciate it. Thank um, you. You the man. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Never the man. But thanks so much for being on More to Come again. Thank you. And thank you for keeping me on. I, I got to do this more often. Yeah, oh, here. believe me. Yeah. You got the information, so we're going to come back to your time and I time I hope it's again. appropriate information. <laughs> That's <laughs> good information. information. Cool. Thanks so much, man. Thank you, man. Anyway, well, so, uh, well... You know, one thing I'd like to jump into, all of the things we've talked about here, uh, it, we point to a kind of paradigm shift, uh, not just in the industry, but particularly in the retail channels. And I'd just like to give a shout-out to, to Milton Greep, uh, and uh, the ICB2 conference. You, <laughs> yes, we do indeed. We we love you for the numbers uh, that he that he crunches with Comic Con every year. But also um, the ICB2 um, little comp. Uh, uh, what is it? The party that he gives at New York Comic Con. I mean, he 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 did a talk about the uh, you know what are the five disruptive periods in com- yeah. in yes, comics over the last. He was a really great talk. But one of I think one of his signatures uh, his signature points was. The fifth disruption, which he said is going to be happening in retail, and I think we're seeing some of this stuff now. We're seeing the beginnings of it. He talked about um, uh, the change in how uh, getting away from the monthly periodical Mm -hmm. mentality, uh, wariness of the variant cover uh, culture, um, and looking at new retailers moving into – uh, the into the into this category because comics is a hot commodity. Yeah. So I think uh, some of the things now you might want to go to publishersweekly.com slash comics and check out um, Heidi and my coverage from the mm-hmm. New York yeah. Comic Con last year. He did a really it was a really great talk and I think he really is outlining many of the things we're going to be seeing uh, in the coming year. Uh, well, for another look at uh, comics retailing this time yeah. from the inside. Uh, here's a talk. We talked to Peter Dolan, who is the president of Comics Pro, which is a very, very important retail organization. And he's also the owner of Main Street Comics in Middletown, New York. So we talked to him a little bit about about the uh, the front line of yeah. comics retailing. Yeah. Hi, Heidi McDonald here with Pete Dolan, the owner of Main Street Comics in Middletown, New York, uh, and also the president of Comics Pro. Uh, the retailer organization. Uh, Pete, thanks for being with us today. Oh, good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you just wrapped up uh, the meeting, the Comics Pro meeting, I mean, a few, couple of weeks ago. Uh, so this is the annual meeting, um, uh, cabal of retailers and publishers. Can you can you tell us a little bit about the meeting and, and you know, what goes on at this? Because I know it's, it's very important. Uh, a lot of people um, say it's one of the best comics gatherings of the year yeah I, it's uh for, for me it, it certainly is um it's uh this year's meeting was actually our largest meeting ever our, our uh, highest attended um what goes on in the meetings is is basically that there, there are a lot of uh you know we, we have a closed session with our members where we go over you know organization business and and that sort of thing and then uh there are presentations by publishers um, because it's, uh, you know, member, a members-only type thing, the publishers can actually, uh, you know, open up a little bit more with their plans. Um, 
we've been very good about not having uh, too many leaks come out of the meetings. Um, so, Which so is publishing amazing. The <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. But um, so, so we find that the publishers are willing to be a little bit more open uh, in their discussions, uh, and and that uh, really helps facilitate uh, communication. Um, you know, and, and then we have uh, roundtable sessions, uh, which, um, you know, we break out into to smaller groups, you know, four or five uh, retailers each. And, and we go around, it's almost like a, a speed dating session where, you know, the publishers, you know, we, we meet with each individual publisher, uh, you know, for about 10 minutes or so. And, and we can talk about, um, you know, stuff that affects our stores and, and uh, they, they can, you know, give us a... a you know, more in-depth look of, uh, of stuff they may have touched on in their presentations. Right. right. Um, you know, it's just specific questions, that sort of thing. So what was the mood at this year's meeting? Uh, I mean, we certainly hear a lot. And, uh, you know, on this podcast, we've we, we've been talking just about, uh, you know, the, some of the sales figures, particularly for Marvel, haven't been as strong as they haven't been in the past. So, you know, was this meeting full of anxiety or was there confidence about the future? Uh, there was confidence. There was a lot of optimism. Um, of course, you know that's the nature of the meeting too. It's uh, it, it's very energizing. Uh, you know, because you're meeting with with you know the retailers who care enough to to you know push their stores forward, who want to be part of a uh, you know bigger community of retailers that are working to make the industry better. And uh, and and there's just like a lot of good energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, I, I think. Most people came out of there very optimistic, very confident for the future. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, so, uh, which might surprise some people because we hear a lot of gloomy doom saying about, about the industry uh, also. Um, what, uh, I mean, what do you, I, I think it's pretty obvious, though, that, you know, Marvel definitely is, is, uh, is kind of, you know, they've hit a rough patch, let's put it that way. So, um, do you feel like, uh, and I know they did talk about things that they're going to do and, you know, in a closed door session. So don't necessarily need to hear any details of that. But, um, I mean, do you feel confident that Marvel is facing this, uh, in a productive way? Uh, yes, I do. Actually, they, uh, I feel a lot better about where Marvel's going than I did before the meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in fact, uh, just, uh, just today, I think they, uh, Sent out a press release regarding a uh, an initiative they're doing to take um, to, to push people into local comic book stores uh, using geo tracking. Um, you know, co- collecting uh, email information uh, at movie theaters and and stuff like that. You know, getting you know generally people who don't normally go to comic stores um, into the, their local comic shops, uh, which which is uh, right right. Obviously. A really exciting move on their part. I know, and using it to tie into the um, to the films and um, is obviously you know the film audience, which is huge, is is a, is a is, you know it's definitely a forward looking forward looking move. You know, let's talk about your store a little bit too. Now, uh, how long has Main Street Comics been open? Um, we have been open. Uh, I think it'll be. 16 years in December. Okay, so you've seen quite a bit of evolution at the shop, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> now, we also were talking about um, uh, periodicals versus graphic novels. So I, I think this is really one of the big questions right now. Um, do you think that, um, 
like what's the evolution of the mix in your store i mean are more people buying graphic novels are people sticking with periodicals or you know what's the what's the general evolution there um we're seeing you know over the years we've seen consistent growth on the uh on the graphic novel side um and it, and it's really only recently that we're seeing attrition uh on the periodical side um but again, it's 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 hard to measure because, you know, we're, we're getting a lot of people coming in for periodicals in the past year with uh, the DC Rebirth stuff. Mm. Um, but as that gets established and and as they you know decide what books they want to follow, I'm also seeing you know some of those fans go towards the uh, the trade paperbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's really a, a matter of, uh, of of personal taste on the on the part of the consumer. Um, I, I like to promote the periodicals. It, it gets, uh, you know, the Wednesday crowd in. Um, it, it's it's a solid reason for people to come to our stores on a regular basis. Um, so so I certainly don't want to see that go away. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, you know, the trades get stronger and and they're a lot easier to sell to uh, to the more casual customer. Right. And you know, you know I'm. I'm I'm happy to serve both both types of customers. Right. So you feel like the graphic novels are the entry level uh, product for for people getting into reading comics. Oh yeah, very much so. Um, you, you know, a great example of that is uh, is is Walking Dead. You know, we're getting a lot of Walking Dead fans coming in, wanting to, you know, fans of the TV show wanting to follow it in comic form, and you know, really the only way for them to to start is with the uh, the graphic novels. But once they get caught up, then they like to, you know, I, I, they, they want to follow it right. in graphic novel and, and the monthly. You know, they, they'll, they'll want to read the monthly, um, but they'll continue to collect the graphic novels. Right. So, now you did say that you see, see some attrition in periodicals. And, you know, this is the ongoing argument we have. I mean, we talk about it on the podcast all the time. But... Um, I, do you think that's a question of just you, you know simply readers, I mean, getting older and dropping out, or is it um, you know they're just not interested in in what maybe Marvel and DC are offering now, or you know is it is it uh, you know I mean why do you think that is? I, I think to a certain extent uh, some of them are getting overwhelmed uh, by too much choice. You know. <laughs> if, 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 now, if there were, say, you know, two Avengers books, they might, you know, be following them consistently. But when there's, you know, seven, eight, nine books and none of them are, are, are clearly tagged as, as the flagship book, yeah. um, you know, it, it becomes a little bit overwhelming. And, and, uh, and you know, I, I find with a lot of collectors, there's a mentality if they can't afford all of them, they don't want any of them. Hmm. Right. Yeah, because you got to get the whole, got to catch them all, basically. Um, yeah, so I, you know, I, I think if, if there was a, a, you know, a little bit more uh, curation of, of the lines where, you know, a little bit more focus, and, and I see that happening with the X Men. You know, the X Men Gold, the X Men Blue. Um, you know, th- those are going to be obviously the two flagship books for the X Men, and and they'll be coming out. You know, there'll be an X Men book a week for uh, X Men fans to. Right. To jump onto, but just one book and, a week. 
Right. Let's 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 hope that's the case. Yeah. Well. Well, we know the mutants. I mean, there'll be a, an X Force and a new mutants, or an old mutants and a old Logan mutants and a you know a Y Force. I mean, they just can't help themselves <laughs> yeah. before long. Um, what about Image Comics? Uh, do those are those still popular? I know for a while there, people were coming into shops and just you know, what's new from Image this week, and you know, going nuts for them. Yeah, I, I mean, Image uh, does fairly strongly for us, um, but it's but it's hit or miss. It, it you know, the books are all you know such individual entities that uh, you know that sometimes you know sometimes you get one that you, you get a saga that that sells terrifically. And then other times you, you'll get a book that, you know, only sells a few copies uh, out of the gate and then, you know, goes right. downhill from there. Right, um, right. An- another issue we have with, with Image Comics is, is uh, speculators, you know, come in and will, you know, have a hit with uh, issue number right. one. And then, you know, with issue number two forward, the, the speculators no longer have an interest. So uh, we see sales drop precipitously. Right. Um, what about uh, the scourge of variant covers? Is this a threat or a menace? Or neither? Um, they're great for people who want them. People who don't want them, you know, can ignore them and, and still get the content. Mm-hmm. Right. So you don't think you think they're additive still? You don't think that that? I mean, certainly, you know, certain companies who we won't name have definitely been. Uh, putting a lot of uh, effort into variant covers to perhaps boost their unit sales. Yeah, well, you know, you know it's it's funny. I, you know, variants are a case by case basis. With a lot of books, um, if there are multiple open to order variants, I'll just choose the one cover that I think uh, is, is most com- commercially viable and order that for my racks. Uh, obviously. You know, I'll, I'll fill special orders for customers who want different customer, uh, different co- uh, covers. Um, but again, it, it's you know, it's a case by case basis. Not not all variants are worthy of being variants. Right, right. And also, there are uh, you just mentioned open to order variants, which means just for our listeners who aren't well versed in this, that just means like if uh, let's just say, um, uh, well. Uh, you know, Green Lantern, my favorite example. Uh, you can order, there's a variant cover of Green Lantern that's open to order. You can order, you know, one copy, two copies, three copies. However, there's also incentive variant covers, right? And some right. of these, like, have very, very high thresholds. Like, you have to order hundreds of copies of something to get one copy of the variant. That's or, right. Yeah. Uh, are those, like, and... So that and then that one copy, in theory, you could sell on eBay or sell in the shop for you know hundreds of dollars, also, right? That's correct. Right. I mean, is this is this you know a, a is there too much of this, or is it just right? Or um, again, it's it's uh, you know I generally don't have uh, orders high enough to to qualify for those variants. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are scenarios where uh, stores, you know, say a store is doing custom cover, um, you know, their own, you know, store variant, uh, where the minimums are, are, you know, thousands of copies, you know, one, one, two, three thousand copies, and that makes them copies. eligible. That makes them eligible for um, for the uh, the attached variants if there are any, um, you know, and, and so they can recoup some of their costs that way, and and. 
you know, it's it's uh, easy for them to, to qualify for those coverage. Right, right, sure. Well, you know, I mean, like you say, I I I I see a lot of um, a lot of uh, agita about variants. You know, online, even talking to people, there's too many. Um, I think one of the writers from my own site went and you know counted up one month, and there was you know hundreds and hundreds of variants. But then when I talk to to retailers and publishers, you know they're more like uh, you know what if, what you just said, Pete. You know it's like oh well, you know if you want them, that's fine. If you don't, then you don't have to have them so uh which is which is interesting so obviously it's still it's still working for for both sides of the equation um well uh, i'm gonna let you go because we're running short on time but uh what what's got you excited for 2017 what are you what are you looking forward to in your store oh i'm, I'm looking forward to uh seeing what marvel has planned uh for the fall um you know david gabriel uh of marvel has, has hinted at uh some exciting stuff uh, following Secret Empire, and uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to see what what uh, right. they have in store. Do you think? Um, do you think with the hints that you've heard that this is something that um, that readers are going to respond to? Yeah, that, that's what what gets me excited. I think uh, Mar- I think Mar- Marvel has has an opportunity to uh, become the powerhouse that they used to be. Um, and and I hope they're able to to ramp it up very quickly. Right. Right. Uh, uh, a stronger Marvel means a stronger direct market, and that means stronger stores, and that overall means a stronger industry. So, oh, well, listen, Pete, uh, thank you so much for your time. Okay, thank you, Heidi. Have, have a great day. Thanks. So, what I'm getting from this is that the retail picture definitely looks a little different depending on whether the bulk of your stock is graphic novels or periodicals. That periodicals is doing okay. But graphic novels is really feeling gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, that's what the numbers are showing, um, for sure. But, you know, but it's... graphic novels outside of the direct market. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. but also, but also in the direct market, we're seeing different kinds of stores. Yeah, yeah. As we heard, mm-hmm. as yeah. we heard in all of our interviews, you know, there's a lot of even comic shops where that are in the diamond system now. Some of them are really shifting over to graphic novels as well. So yeah, and to be fair, diamond is not a full picture. Because, um, as we have discussed in this podcast many times, um, a lot of times you can get a better deal on a lot of graphic novels uh, through book distribution channels. Yes. And so a lot of comic book stores that are very savvy are buying their graphic novels from the book distributors, Mm -hmm. not from Diamond. So that may not be a full picture. Right. Um, uh, I think one of the things also we learned uh, uh, from our interviews is that, you know, New publishers are going to be rising on the uh, horizon, mm. and an image is going to be leading them in many cases. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Um, and I think you're going to see image, image, image. And, and I think what we're going to see is a new integration of the periodical. I don't really think anybody believes it's going away, but yeah. it's going to be used in a different way. I think as a, as a, some way as sending people into a book series. Um, but you know, I think the I think the periodical is not not going to disappear even though you know we're seeing the sales kind of slowing um but i I just think consumers and retailers are going to find a different way to make them work yeah and maybe not everything is built for the paper periodical market anymore Mm -hmm. oh that's true too some things that like for example with dc's testing out its digital only and things becoming that are hits going to periodical and things that aren't staying digital you know maybe maybe fewer things will start in periodical. Yeah, that's that's interesting because we we didn't talk too much about digital. 
but we're still trying to figure out where its mix is. Well, maybe is in all maybe of that. that should be our next. Yeah, special. I think that so might maybe be, that'll be yeah, our next special yeah. episode. I think that's a more. good thing because, or maybe it won't be if we come up with a different topic. That's right. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we'll hey, see. Maybe in the future we yeah. will do one that looks at digital. But so. very well because I think there's a lot of questions out there about just where digital fits into this yeah. new paradigm. Yep. Uh, well, we've certainly, you know, we've just scratched the surface of this huge topic. Uh, but definitely we'll be keep talking about this. And there'll be more to come. <laughs>